we are in the, I wouldn't say the middle, but <laughs> we are following the life and the ministry of Jesus. There are some Sundays we get together and um, we'll cover, oh my goodness, sometimes 30, 35 verses. But that's where we find ourselves as we study about his life and his ministry. Uh, today's going to be a little different. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. And again, we're following it in chronological order. Uh, remember last, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how when Jesus taught, there was a demonstration of his power, a demonstration of his authority. And it tells us that those who were listening and witnessing, they were astonished. They were just blown away. They would say something we have never heard anyone teach like this before. And the main reason uh, is because um, the rabbis and the scribes and such um, always just quoted another, um, another rabbi or another scholar. They never had the courage to just stand up like Jesus, if you remember, that one day when the book of Isaiah was handed to him, he opened it up, he read a portion of it, rolled it back up, and then with great authority stood and said, you know, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your very ears. And everyone there was just going, whoa. You know, no one has ever done that uh, uh, before for over 400 years, actually, from the last Old Testament book we have. Um, But then um, as that's ending up, it tells us in verse 41, we will, or 40, chapter 1, verse 40, we'll read the, the passage and stand again. But it says, there came a leper to him, beseeching him. And kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he strictly charged him, forthwith sent him away. And he said unto him, See that you say nothing to any man, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And But he went out and began to publish it, uh, the ideas immediately, and blazed abroad the matter. Love my old king. Blazed. I would too. <laughs> so would you. And uh, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert place, and came, and they came to him from every quarter. Would you be kind enough again with Bible in hand, let's stay, uh, stand and pray together. Father, sometimes we, we feel just like Peter when he would say to you, where can we go? You have the words to eternal life. Where can we go? Lord, you have the words that pertain to eternal life. You have the words, Lord, that can set a man free. You have the words that literally can save a man. Lord, and we hold this precious thing in our hands today. We'll read it. And Lord, we are so aware that without your Holy Spirit, this just would be another book. But you tell us it's living, it's sharp. It's powerful, so much that it can go to even the intents of the heart. So we make that appeal once again, that your Holy Spirit would instruct us. As John would say, he that has an ear, let him hear. Lord, we're asking for those ears to hear. 
And again, Father, that when we leave here, we would be able to testify like the two that were on the road to Emmaus. Did not our hearts burn within us? So again, Father, we stand in recognition of your word, how holy and sacred it is. So again, we ask for your anointing upon us in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, there are some things in the scriptures that you just have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, Because sometimes it can be um, a chapter, it can be... Um, it can be a verse. Sometimes it can just be a phrase um, that you'll, you'll, you'll take home and that you, you just won't be able to shake it. It just stays with you. And, uh, and usually for me, it's when I'm finally settled down at night where the Holy Spirit will just say, okay, and here's the application of it all. You know, guys, you just notice in our passage just these two simple words, a leper. And um, bound up in those two words, um, there's a great, deer, a great deal more than what the eye can just see. Um, most of us will never see a leper. Well, I shouldn't say most of us. Some of us have. In fact, our team just came back and uh, do they still call it a colony, Dan? It's still called colony um, where uh, um, a, there will be a community of, of dear people in, infected with um, the disease. And uh, but back in the ancient days, it, it man, just just use the word leper. Um, brought great fear, a tremendous amount of fear. It brought sorrow and uh, today, it, it really doesn't have that impact on us as it did then. Today, it's called the Hansen's disease. Uh, it was diagnosed about 100 years ago, and it was named after um, the man, uh, Hansen, because he discovered the bacteria that li- literally brought about the, the condition. And it hasn't really been that long, maybe 50 years or so, where now they can get a handle on it, and, uh, and literally, it takes, if someone's diagnosed with Hansen's disease, it takes around um, one to two years to get a handle on it. Um, knowing um, what we know about this disease, this condition now, we can pretty much put this man's history together. And um, we can even see the, the progression of it. Uh, the medical field will um, classify it as stages. What stage? You hear that with, with cancer uh, people that are dealing with cancer. He is in stage, you know. The last thing you want to hear is stage four. Um, but it, it's the same thing with Hansen's disease or the disease of leprosy. Um, you, you begin um, to uh, show ver- just small white spots on your back. You know, uh, uh, very painful though. And, and for most people during that time period, they would just think, okay, this is just a normal rash. And they would go about whatever it was to to relieve the pain. Not only would you start to notice white spots primarily on your back, you would begin to have joint pain. 
you would become very, very lethargic and very tired up to kind of like four months. And you're just thinking it will just go away. Uh, you'll notice then that these white spots would start to turn a color of brown, something dark. And uh, the skin, it's really odd. And I, I, again, I, I did some research. The skin starts to become very thickened. Uh, thick, you know, almost le leather-like, you know what I mean? And uh, the eyebrows would normally just fall off. There'd be no kind of facial hair. Um, but the hair on the head would turn white. And, uh, and pardon me, guys, if you think maybe I'm going a little too deep in, into this. But it's very important that we see the progression of it. And there's rhyme and reasons to it. Um, and over a period of time... His, his, his face will, will change, you know, because of the leather-likeness of his skin becoming leather-like. Um, it seems to try to find the folds in the facial area. And you would notice that there's large lumps that would appear. And they would receive the nickname such as the lion face or the one who had an appearance of a lion um, the lumps would become uh, larger and larger to the point um, where you, he just doesn't even look human any, any longer. The, on top of those lumps, then again, it would become ulcerated. Now, this is stage one, by the way. This is the first stage this poor person would go through. Um, you would know that there was a, um, a, a leper in the room just by the odor. It, there's a, just a foul stench that goes along with it. Um, at that period of time, their eyes um, would become blind, um, mainly due, due to uh, the eye unable to produce tears. And so with the rubbing and with the, you know, um, of course, the bacteria on the hands, he would eventually go blind or uh, just hard to see. And then the second stage would um, set in, and that would he would the nervous system would be attacked. Um, there'd be no feelings in the extremities, the, the fingertips, um, uh, the ears, the toes would be the first to kind of go. You know, uh, he would lose all sense of touch. He wouldn't be able to feel anything by the touch, and as a result of that. Um, that, again, um, infection would just set in almost uh, immediately. And he doesn't even know he's hurt, let alone, I mean, he could burn his hands and not know he burned his hands. And um, you see pictures of this sort of thing, and you notice these dear people with their, their limbs are heavily bandaged. You know, there's a lot of bandages on. Now, now, again, of course, if there's infection, they would want to keep the dirt. But it, primarily the reason for all the bandages is because they just didn't want to keep hurting themselves. You know, they wouldn't know if they stepped on glass or stepped on a coal. They wouldn't have any sensitivity whatsoever. And as a result of that, um, you know, he, they would become more disfigured and uh, the bones would begin to be exposed and tendons and such like that. And uh, you just think of just by that time, this man is so disfigured. Um, and, and again, you would think that the sensitivity of others would be you know, um, um, uh, be evident, but because of fear, no one, no one wanted to get close to it. 
They were more or less just on their own. And then the third stage would take place. And that's where it would begin to affect the respiratory system. His vocal cords would become ulcerated. Um, very difficult to breathe. There'd be a real heavy wheezing, you know. And um, for him to talk, uh, it would just almost sound hideous. And, and, and again, it, he doesn't know the day. He doesn't know the week. He won't know the month. But um, inevitably, it will take his life. He will die of this disease. And uh, to die of this disease, essentially, is to just rot to death. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you're wondering, why on earth would anyone even put this in the Bible? Why would we even need to know this? Well, I'll give you the answer to that in just a moment. Um, but everything in the Bible is there for a reason. Amen, guys? Give me a fat amen, church. Amen. That you can't just pick and choose what you want to study. That's why we have such a conviction to go from Genesis to Revelation. And um, we're going to study it all. Um, Luke tells us in his account of this that he is full of leprosy. Meaning, of course, he's in the latter stages. He's covered from head to toe. Uh, with this with this disease um, because this disease was considered incurable and contagious they were forced to keep their distance um, again they could no longer go to any religious uh, gatherings they were they were not allowed in the temple area they weren't allowed to go to the synagogue um, uh, for any kind of, of a service uh, today, we would say they weren't allowed to come to church and participate in worship or any prayer meetings. Uh, something else that when we read the law, um, the Levitical law regarding this, uh, even if they came into an area where there were people, it was their responsibility to yell unclean, unclean. They had to make sure everyone knew in the area that they were coming into the area with this disease. And if they didn't, the result would be they would be stoned. People would just pick up stones to keep them out of the area. Now, folks, again, you just think, well, that is pretty harsh. You know, why on earth would someone be so hard and so callous towards another person with such a dreaded disease? Well, again, guys, and I hope I'm not being repetitive, but it was fear. They were dealing with something that, that if they didn't keep that outside of the area not only could they be infected with the disease but also their spouse and their and their children you know and uh, but just to think they could not live in the city um they had to live without uh they could never they could no longer be touched by another human being imagine that you know there's this condition uh that that I read about with babies that were put in um, orphanages in Romania and for months on, on end no one would touch them other than to change a diaper and the effect that it had on their psyche on just the, the psyche of that baby it's amazing how needy we are for another human touch you can't go along you can't go a week without someone at least acknowledging your, your existence try total isolation Try, try to be alone. Just just for a day. Sometimes it takes a lot of willpower, doesn't it? And imagine being forced into that condition. 
you know. Imagine, most likely um, diagnosed later in their lives, they could have had a family, could have had a spouse, a husband, a wife. Knew at one time what it was like to bring your, your daughter on your knee. And, you know, one of my, the greatest moments in the day is when, you know, my granddaughters get up and they come down and they sit with me. Oh, it's short-lived, but it's a, uh, it's a time period where I just, oh, I wish it would just go on for hours, you know. And they got that little blanky thing going on and they got the thumb in the mouth and they are just snuggling and they're very angelic for a moment, you know, and they're just, and you just, you just love it. Imagine all of a sudden you, you can't get a hug from your wife or your, your husband. You can't touch your grandbabies. Your, your sons and daughters have to stay at least a hundred yards away from you. And you know, at any given time, mom and dad could be stoned to death if they just want to look at you. It's a dreaded disease. During that time period, the rest of his life being isolated. You know, with a, with a label being a leper, that's all he has is the label. No one knows anything about him. No one knows his likes or his dislikes. You know, no one knows his family history. All they know is that this thing, and I use that word thing, because no one really wanted to call him a person at that point. All they know is this thing is a leper and he could bring, you know, death upon you. And again, as I had said, usually it's because of fear. They're isolated you know, you and I, if we come down with any kind of disease, whatever it is, we have the privilege of um, being consoled or being comforted by a family member, right? Not so with them. It robbed them. It just totally robbed them of everything that is precious in life. It robs them of family. It robs them of friends. It robs them of fellowship. And then it has this psychological effects on them. Emotionally, it just takes a toll on them. It would produce a desperation. It would produce a hopelessness, you know. And right there in verse 40, as we had read, he communicates this desperation. He comes and he falls down at Jesus' feet. And he beseeches him and he's saying, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone fall to their knees in that kind of desperation. If you've ever experienced, it's almost you can feel it. If you're there just as a bystander, just to watch somebody that desperate, just coming up to the only one he thinks he can receive comfort or help. He falls to his knees in desperation. You know, doing what I do, I have seen this often. I've been at the hospital when the diagnosis has been rendered that there's nothing we can do for you. I've heard the cry, anguish. Nothing, doctor, there's nothing you can do. No, you need to go home and make your affairs. Put them in order. I've seen the cries and the heartaches of women where the husband has just decided to abandon them. Not being able to make any rhyme and reason out of it, but with a desperate cry, how is there anything you can do to help me? No, I've seen it. Not only seen it, I've, I've felt it. 
You know, and, and this is where he is with Jesus falling down. You know, we used to have a saying years ago that in this condition, it, it, you could say this guy has a really royal messed up life. Royally, his life is just messed up at this point. And, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the question is encapsulated in just a few words here. Uh, the question is, is um, it shakes you to the core if you just look at it. If you are willing... If, if you're just with, you know, he, he somehow he has heard about Jesus. Somehow the testimonies has come to his awareness that there's a guy that possesses some kind of power. Because we remember the last couple of weeks, you know, they're blown away because not only of his word, but his power over demons. That he has the power to heal people. And so he, he, he's not questioning his power. He's questioning, are you compassionate enough? Are you willing enough to touch someone like me? It just breaks your heart when you read this, these words. Because what this dear man lacks is the assurance that Jesus is willing to do it. The fact that Jesus has the power to cleanse us is no, to cleanse him, is no use to him though. A God that is all powerful is in no use to anyone if it isn't coupled with, with the awareness of his willingness and his compassion. You can believe that God created the heavens and earth. You can believe that God raised his son from the dead. You can believe that with one spoken word, God is able to bring healing. But without it in, 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 uh, coupled with that he's also willing, it'll do you no bit of good. All it will be is fire insurance for you. But he's both. He is so powerful. And he is so willing and that is a lie that Satan has put on many of people. Oh, he's powerful enough. You can believe all you want. He challenged the word before. Hath not God said. But to, to, to experience his compassion. To experience his love. And his willingness. To touch any dreaded disease. And I don't just mean a physical disease. As we will see in a minute, he's willing even to touch the disease of sin. I love how Jesus responds to him. I will be thou clean. And you notice, will you notice instantaneously, he was healed. The result was of full health. He was restored completely. The answer to him and the answer to us, yes, God is powerful, but even what's more powerful is he's still willing to do the same. You see, the application, I think, no, I don't think I know, is beyond leprosy, there's another need. Beyond the physical need, there is a spiritual need. And there's a greater affliction to mankind this affliction goes down into the soul of man. It goes down into the heart. 
It's called the area of sin. Into an area of man that is most needed. The fascinating thing about this, this topic of leprosy in the scripture. When you read it, you never hear of someone being healed of it. You go through the New Testament and what you read is someone is always cleansed from it. To me, that's, that's, that's amazing. It's a cleansing, not so much a healing. Because really, sin is a condition that requires cleansing. It, it requires a, a, a forgiveness that you and I know. We, we've, most of us have experienced that. But leprosy requires cleansing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 11, and I'll just read a few to you and just write them down as a cross-reference. But he says, such were some of you, but now you are washed. But you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of his Holy Spirit. Then, of course, the glorious book at the end of our Bibles, the book of Revelation, the very first chapter. This is what it says in verse five. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. Yeah, we were forgiven. But sometimes what escapes us is that we were also washed We were washed from our spiritual leprosy. Now, why are we so dogmatic about this thought? We have to be. Mainly because of Leviticus chapter 14. Now, we do not have the time to go through that complete um, chapter. So I'd like to kind of outline it for you. It is called the, the, the chapter. It's called the law of the leper and the day of his cleansing. You read through those few chapters there, and my goodness, you can't wait to get through them. You know, you, you read about if a house is, comes down with certain molds, and this is what you do if someone finds the leprosy and all this. I mean, it, it's, it's important that we know it, but it's more important that we see the picture behind it. Um, you have the priest. He gets word that someone in a, in a town or a village has been identified and he might have leprosy. The, pri- the priest would go and he would examine that individual. And of course, the first place he would look would be at the back of the individual. If there are those white spots or the brownish spots, or maybe it's gone a little further than that, he might be in his second stage. He then is quarantined. He is put outside. He will be examined for an entire week, seven days. Uh, if it is, if, if it is uh, kind of a false alarm that it was just a normal rash or physical condition and he sh- shows signs that he's not a leper, then there's got to be an offering. The priest would come and he would have two ceremonial doves. The one dove would, of course, be the sacrifice. The blood of that bird would be emptied into an earthen vessel. You and I would call it just a clay pot. Mingled with water, particular water, it would have to be something from a moving stream or a bubbling uh, spring. And they, they would call that living water. 
They would put this piece of hyssop in it and they would also put some scarlet in there and they, he would mix it around. He would then sprinkle the live bird with this blood and water and he also would sprinkle the man that was accused of leprosy with, with the same thing with the, the blood seven times. The bird then is released. He's just released, the live bird. And it's a glorious picture that Christ He came in an earthen vessel. He came in a human body. And that he would die, though your sins be as scarlet. I mean, it's so picturesque of what he's done for us. The dead bird represents Christ dying for our sin. The live bird being allowed to fly up into heaven, speaking of his resurrection. But it goes a little further than that. After this ceremonial thing was done, this law of the leper... He was required now to go to the temple area and make the proper sacrifices. You you remember in our text, he tells him, now go back and perform the offerings to the priest. This is what he's doing, Leviticus 14 here. And so then he would go there and he would have to give a sacrifice, a trespass offering and also a sin offering. The priest then would take the blood of those two offerings and he would put it on the right earlobe of the one that was infected with that disease. He would put it on his right thumb and then he would put it on his right toe. After that was done, the priest then would take the holy oil, oil from uh, the holy place, not the holy of holy, but the holy place. And again, applied to the right earlobe, applied to the right thumb and then applied to the right toe. You see, that has to be something picturesque. It's got to be a type, an allegory of some sort. And I'll tell you exactly what it means. It means that once God deals with our leprosy, we go a little beyond from just the dead sacrifice, but we go into a little further into the live sacrifice, that which was dead, becoming alive, resurrected into heaven, that no longer is he going to be identified as a leper, but he's going to be identified as something new and clean. He's cleansed. He's not healed. And the Holy Spirit, the emblem of the Holy Spirit being the oil, that everything that goes into your... Listen, church, give me your eyes. Everything that goes in your mind, mind now through the year will be anointed by the Holy Spirit. That everything you put your hands to, again, would be anointed by the Holy Spirit. The direction in your life is now going to be governed and directed by the Holy Spirit of God. You're no longer caught in the trespasses of your sin, dead in your sin. No, that blood has been applied to your own life. And now you've been resurrected with Christ. And now you have new life. And no longer have to worry about society or what people think. You are now living a life that's been totally cleansed by the Holy Spirit of God. Not have to walk around in fear and dread any longer. You don't have to worry about what the person says to you. Can you imagine? Here this guy, he comes to Jesus in desperation. He doesn't question his authority. He questions his willingness. And when Jesus said, oh, I am so willing. It reaches out and it's the first time he feels another human touch upon his life. I did, did, did everything instantaneously, did, 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 he, did he see fingertips grow back before his eyes? The lumps on his face, Mr. Lying Face, did he start to feel the lumps go back to normal? 
Is he standing now? And I'm not trying to play with your emotions. I really am not. But did he stand up and look at Jesus right in the face? Was he thinking, you are willing? What was he thinking when Jesus said, now I don't want you to tell anybody. How does Mr. Leber go through town now? He's still in Capernaum for crying out loud. Hey, isn't that Lenny the leper? <laughs> it can't be him. Look at him. His skin looks like a baby skin. He's got his fingers back. It can't be him. Hey, I don't fault a guy for disobeying Jesus. Did you notice that? Don't tell a single person. But he sets the news ablaze. And such were some of us. We really were. Do you remember the day you got saved? I couldn't. I, you couldn't shut me up. Oh my goodness, I had to tell. I was such a nuisance to everybody. The gang I used to hang with, we weren't a gang gang, but the group of people I hung out with literally had to tell me right down here at Hessian Avenue, right at Heritage's. I remember, that's enough, Har. I mean, in our yearbook, you know, our senior yearbook. There's a brother here. I won't point him out. Um, we graduated together. And in his senior year, behold, he comes quickly. That's what we were about. We were so much about Jesus. We weren't afraid to share it. And we set the news ablaze. Because we knew something, guys. We knew Jesus. We knew his power. But to discover his willingness... To be able to soar again. To feel like you got life again. You cannot beat that. You couldn't exchange it for all the wealth in the world. See that's what I mean about the church being. It's wide. It's so wide. Primarily it's built on emotion. There's not too much depth to it. The deeper things of God comes by knowing him and knowing his willingness. No matter what you're going through, he's willing to touch your life. You probably, you, you, you know, some people, I remember a conversation with a young lady. She goes, oh, but Harry, you don't know what I've done. And I didn't want to know. But whatever it was in her past, she really thought that God could not forgive her for that. Well, I'm here to tell you on his behalf. There's not a thing that you've ever done where he is not willing to touch your life and to change it. To tell you that it's gone. It's washed. No one's going to call you lion face. No one's going to ever try to say you're unclean. Look, the old things are passed away and behold, all things become what church? No. You with me today, guys? You know, guys, if I know this is applicable to Jesus. The context, this Jesus is willing. But because of fear, we find ourselves not like the leper, but like the people who are afraid to touch the unclean. We're afraid to reach out to those that have destroyed their lives. Addiction of some sort. We would rather feel safe and keep them a hundred yards away. A lot of us were those unclean people. And by God's grace and his mercy, 
somehow we, he was willing to touch us. And he wants us to do the same. Look at your hands for a second. Look at them. You are the, his hands. Your feet. Got something stuck in my throat. Wait a minute. I always used to cut up on preachers that cried. Eh, what a wimp. But when I think, when I think at the church today, and I think how the one thing that it lacks is compassion. It does. And I want to tell you I get it, but my heart says I don't get it. What the world will know of Jesus will come through you, through me. And if you're afraid to touch a leper, someone unclean, someone who's destroyed their lives. Hey, man, we used to ride around again. Nobody thumbs it anymore, but we used to thumb it everywhere. That was our, why have a car? You just thumbed, you know. But my goodness, what an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. What an opportunity. In fact, I picked up this guy one time. I was driving a 1954 pickup truck. And uh, it's sad what I can remember when it comes to cars. I got to work at the scriptures, but they ask me about a car. Red-headed guy. Pulled over, picked him up. He looks at my Bible. He goes, are you saved? I said, yes, I'm saved. <laughs> he goes, well, listen, I, I, I got to go to Winona. I said, yeah, no problem, man. I'll take you right to your doorstep. It's funny how God works because when I got there, my, my future wife was playing basketball. So who would know? God does some great things. Isn't that amazing? So don't be afraid to pick up redheaded guys. If you're single, <laughs> I need you to stand with me. And Honey Tree, would you come back up? You love him today, guys? Amen. Yeah, let's put it together for the Lord today, just once. <laughs> you know what I want for you is today? I want you to fall in love with him. I want you to be his hands and his feet. I want you to reach the lost. I want you to go to your neighbor and just tell him, God not only can save you, but he's willing to touch you and cleanse you. And let's not be afraid of him. Because you were once that way. And God was so willing to change your life. And if you're not here, I mean, if you're not here, if you're not here and you're here, that's a miracle. But if you're here this morning, please listen to me. And you're not even sure about that. There's a lot of people, know, they know religion. We had a church full of them yesterday. They know about him. But to see the expression on so many faces yesterday when I said, 
It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. My goodness, you would have thought I just discovered a cure for cancer. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with the one who's so willing to touch your life. If that's you today, we have a group up here and they'll pray with you. And if there's anything, anything you want to pray about, just make your way up here during our last song. Grab somebody. Even if it's just, I just want to pray. I don't even have anything in my mind. I just want to pray. Then come up, grab someone and they'll pray with you. And we'll leave this place today being blessed. Amen, guys. I love you guys.